Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of HC Third Culture Kid, where I, as a third culture kid, share my thoughts, experiences, and conversations. Um, happy New Year, everyone. It's, it's a little past uh, the, the beginning of the new year, but uh, this is my first podcast of the new year, so happy new year. Uh, yeah. As I say happy new year, to me, it doesn't... I feel like the celebration of the new year is a little too leading. It looks forward to a future that hasn't unfolded yet, and it's prescribing a positive emotion to, again, something that hasn't unfolded yet, and celebrating something that we haven't even accomplished yet. So, like 2021, when 2021 came, we we thought it was going to be the end of COVID. We thought we'd be returning to normalcy, but that didn't happen. And when we celebrated the new year of 2021, a year ago, that's what we thought we were celebrating and we were looking forward to, but we just set ourselves up for disappointment. So uh, the idea of a ha- like saying the phrase Happy New Year to me seems like something we're saying and setting ourselves up for disappointment. It's something we'd be, like it's needless to say. Instead, I think to properly welcome the new year, like 2022, I feel like the better way would be to recount the things that have happened in the year of 2021, things that we did well, things we our successes, things that made us happy, and then also think about what we didn't do, the sadnesses, the suffering we suffer as well, reflect on it, and embrace 2021 and keep ourselves accountable to it and then move on to the new year that to me would be a way to like congratulate ourselves on a year well endured and then look forward to the new year but not like say happy new year to a future that didn't unfold right nelly that doesn't make sense you live in the present all the time (laughs) yes so yeah that's my take so I happy new year sounds like it isn't it's like disingenuous the word just not very yeah authentic again I think back to my old something I said in my old podcast I feel like the holidays and the breaks are so economically charged and so commercialized that uh, there's such an illusion that's been fed up to like a celebration of a new year uh like uh, going to new year's like all festive and whatnot too because there's a lot of commercial incentives to having that celebration it's a lot of purchases that are made for the new year it's a lot of trips that are going on the new year it's a lot of fireworks it's a lot of shows maybe going on the new year so it's so commercialized that there's a lot of marketing <laughs> what are you doing it's a lot of marketing minis yeah there's a lot of marketing that enforces or feeds the inertia of of the phrase of happy new year um that it's it's hard to break but if you really think about it well what exactly are we celebrating the advent of a new year where we haven't done anything yet where we're trying to predict that it's going to be a positive new year next year we don't know that why set ourselves up with an expectation that it's going to be positive when we might be disappointed? Instead, we should, I think, just think about what we did in the past year 
that's for certain what we did in the past year and what we didn't do. Celebrate it, keep ourselves accountable, go to the next year, and just live day by day instead of celebrating a whole 365 days of the next year. And it's also like an art, a new year is an artificially constructed concept by us. Like it's a calendar year. Sure, there are seasons that like back that up, like four seasons happen in a year. So that's, that's, uh, there's, um, there's natural phenomena that backs up the duration of a new year and defines the parameters of a new year. But generally, it's when we say happy new year, we're celebrating the turn of a new calendar year, which is an artificially constructed and human constructed concept. So we're celebrating something fake anyway. Um, so yeah, those are my thoughts of, uh, of uh, the celebration of a happy new year. Instead, let's look forward to uh, the next year, but also we're just reminisce about the past year. So we leave that year behind properly. I guess in relationships, you call that getting closure. And that seems to make more sense to me. And it's more productive to me. So in that spirit, why don't I recap my year? This year, um, no, no, this past year, it was a very fruitful, eventful year for me. Uh, oh my God, I got a dog. I, that's when I got you, right, Denny? Yeah, so when I think around June, I got a dog. I got into law school. I I did well at work. You know, did got some good ratings. Uh, what else? I I kept doing this podcast. You know, this podcast isn't the biggest podcast. Like so small. Like the audience isn't like. Yeah, I won't even mention the audience number, but it's like very small. It's probably just a few close friends that are listening. But I am proud of myself for continuing to just do something that I enjoy in podcasting uh, and persisting through it, despite, you know, what many would call probably a failure. Like I haven't even monetized this podcast, but uh, maybe my audience numbers aren't that large, but I still do it. And... I pat myself on the back for staying true to my persistence, which I think is just a natural, not a natural, but a key trait of mine. And just doing it because I enjoy it and because I think it's important to be consistent. I missed maybe one week or so in the past like six months. But other than that, I think I've stayed pretty consistent. So that was the the past year for me. Um, and I, I spent... Some time with my girlfriend as well, too. Uh, getting to know each other better. Um, getting closer. Yeah, what else? Yeah, I mean, there are some things that I could have done better as well in the past year. I think I could have exercised more. That is for sure. I, I haven't weighed myself, actually, in the past <laughs> six months. Maybe more. But I haven't weighed myself in a while. And I, I'm afraid that I did gain some weight. I'm not too concerned. Uh, if I you know, did gain... An, an, an unhealthy amount of weight too. I think I would have known by now too, but I wish I exercised a little bit more too. This was, I think during the pandemic, I had more time to myself. So I had time to work out if I wanted to, but I did not do that. So shame on me for that. Uh, but something I can correct and do better this year in 2022. Uh, 
So that's one area I could have done better. Another area, I think time border management. I think I spent so much time in my full-time job, too much, that I wasn't able to spend as much time in other things. Granted, I was still able to do the podcast, but that was at the expense of sleep. And that's not good. So I, I wish I was better at time border management so that I didn't sacrifice other areas and other activities of my life. So that's one area I could work on. And I think the way I'm going to try to address that is by using, making sure I set a sleep time of like 11 or 10. Like I'm going to say to myself, I'm going to sleep at 11 or 10. I didn't do that in 2021. To me, it was like, I have 24 hours in a day. And if I have to sacrifice sleep, sleep, so be it. But I think that's, it, it destroys my routine in a way. I think I, I over rely that if, if I, as long as I, I sleep at some point, then I'm going to wake up no later than like 930. And I'll be able to get through everything. But the fact that I have reduced sleep the, the nights before compromises my productivity throughout any day. Even though I started at like 9.30. If I have three hours of sleep and I start like my day like 9, 8.30, 9.30, whatever the time may be, then my productivity suffers. And I, I don't get through everything I want to throughout the day. And then I like tell myself I'll catch up a little bit more like the day after. If I continue to have compromised sleep, that snowball of the things I have to like recover with and recover from just gets bigger and bigger and it becomes a larger snowball I have to tackle. So mainly the reduced productivity from reduced sleep is something I would like to mitigate by having better time border management control. So that's something I would look forward to this year to do better. What else? Uh, I would like to be, I mean, I did start meditation a little bit more consistently um, the past like four months. So I like to continue doing that. I don't think I did that as much last year throughout the whole year, but I did pick it up a little bit in like the last three months, four months. So that's not bad. What else? Yeah, I just, I think time border management is going to be crucial and exercising, trying to exercise a little bit. Yeah, that's kind of a recap of my year overall. You know, I, I don't think I did it. Overall, I think I'm happy with how, how the year went. All right. Other rambling thoughts. Nine to five. Yes, nine to five job. You know, I, I think I listen to a lot of podcasts. You know, I see some YouTube videos that I don't know if it's the intention but to a lot of uh, viewers and the listeners are thinking, wow, this uh, having the nine to five job is not the dream. And oh, you want to come down? You want to come down? Hey, yeah, coming down. Coming down. Okay. There you go. Oh, you want to come back up? Come back up? Oh, no, you, you, what are you doing? Anyway, like having, there's a lot of like videos that are titled like, titled, like I quit my job or... After learning these things about money, I quit my job. Or in podcasts, you'll you'll hear a lot of mentions about not a lot. I guess I'm referring to like one specific podcast because <laughs> I only consume just a few podcasts. But there's a there's some mentions of the nine to five job in a not so great context, saying things like, "Oh yeah, somebody's at this like a desk job from nine to five, and they're not happy." 
and that association of not being happy and having a nine to five job is a pairing that you hear very frequently in some conversations and podcasts and also just implications from videos that uh, are created by people who say they quit their jobs. So the nine to five job has, I think in the past year has been getting, uh, maybe it's been longer, but they've, it's been getting a bad reputation <laughs> and a bad rap. So this podcast, I thought, it, you know, I wanted to kind of counter that, you know, there was in history in, in what, the 1960s, was it 1960s? There was a period in the U.S. called the counterculture. Don't quote me on the time period. I don't know if it was 1960s, but the idea was to, again, don't, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't even say this because I'm probably not as educated in this, but from what I recollect, the counterculture was basically a description of a a culture that was emerging in the States that countered a uh, prevalent culture or mainstream culture. And that counterculture became prevalent itself as well. So the analogy to what I'm about to share is I wanted to counter the nine to five bad rap with positive things about the nine to five uh, job and why I think it's a great thing to do as well, a nine-to-five job. Granted, maybe I'm biased because I am in a nine-to-five job, but I am in it. And I've been in my nine-to-five jobs generally for a long time because I've found fulfillment in it. And I think there are positive things in it that really outweigh a lot of the negatives. So this is me advocating for the nine-to-five job against the naysayers of the nine-to-five job. I, I didn't write all these thoughts out, but my positive thing, number one, for a nine to five job, generally when you're a nine to five job, you're going to be working for a very large company with a mission and you are supporting that mission. And if it's a large company, that mission affects millions of people, if not billions of people. So your nine to five job will support a mission that affects billions of people. Being an influencer or being a content creator or whatnot, yes, you might affect millions of people, but it's not generally, I don't think it's going to be to the scale of a company that offers a product to billions of people that improves or changes or influences their lives or the users' lives, these billions and millions of users' lives on a daily basis. That's not the scale and I think the depth at which usually like a single individual can affect change to others. Um, I mean, one example that pops to my mind is Elon Musk is one individual, but even him, Tesla, he, he's affecting change through Tesla and that's a company. He needs the resources and the intellect and the efforts of multiple people to be able to affect the change and to realize the mission that Tesla has of revolutionizing the car industry with a sustainable source of energy, electricity. So that's what a nine to five job enables. You're, you're not all nine to five jobs are like this, and that's why you have to be selective. And just like, you know, not all kinds of solo jobs are going to be fulfilling and impactful. Yeah, all not all nine to five jobs are going to be fulfilling. So that's a reality. That's that's not a bad thing about a nine to five job. There are nine to five jobs that are going to be boring as fuck. Excuse my language, but they're going to be just really boring and you're just going to have to sit down and it's not going to be very fulfilling. It's not going to be very purposeful. 
But that's not a knock on the nine to five jobs. That's just a knock on some types of nine to five jobs. And sometimes you have to stick through some of those nine to five jobs because you need the experience to be able to then go to another nine to five job that you might find fulfilling and purposeful. Anyway, so point number one about a nine to five job, it's, it can be per pause for a minute as I check on my dog and we're back. Yeah. So positive thing. Number one about a nine to five job, you, if you find, um, a company or an organization that has a mission that is impactful, um, and if it's impactful, it means that you can do something positive or you can, if, if, if there's a need for improvement in the way the company does something, then you have an opportunity to help improve the way the company does a mission and the product that affects millions, if not billions of people around the world. So that's number one. Yeah, you, you had just it, the nine to five jobs enables you to do something very impactful um, and something purposeful and something that might be, be fulfilling for you if it's in a mission that aligns with your personal values. What's another thing about a 9 to 5 job? Now, the great thing about a 9 to 5 job is a lot of the perks that you might get. Um, if you work solo and you work for yourself, you might have to pay for insurance out of your own pocket, like the full cost of insurance out of your own pocket. You might also have to uh, pay for an office, you know, for yourself out of your own pocket. So there's maybe more expenses that you have to cover your uh, personal expenses that you have to cover for your own health, for uh, other personal reasons that a nine to five job or a company would be able to subsidize or fully cover for you. So that's another perk. What's another perk? I, I think what's good about also the nine to five is the structure it provides. You can plan things around the nine to five and then after the nine to five, you can do things before the nine you can do some other things too. So it provides a structure, which I think may be a positive influence for many people. So that's another perk. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of complaints about like, again, the nine to five job being boring or being too demanding. That just means maybe you just didn't find the right nine to five job to fit you or the company that's a good fit for you. And that's going to be considerate and, and respectful of your needs and, you as a human being, I guess. So just a cautionary note that not all nine to five jobs are bad, really. It's just, I think it's just finding the right fit as well and something and finding a mission that aligns with your personal values. And I think with this also comes to find a good fit for you. You must also have self-awareness. You need to know what really ticks for you and what, what kind of personal values you really hold in high regard whatever your own personal mission is as well because if you don't have if you don't have a strong awareness of that then you might stumble upon a company or just run into a company that doesn't that you don't try to match with your personal mission and because you don't do that then you're not going to find one that matches and if you go into a company that it has a mismatch with your own personal mission then you're not going to be happy with it so having a strong sense of awareness is going to direct you to a company that's going to better align with your personal mission, in my personal and humble opinion. So instead of criticizing a nine to five jobs, it might also be worthwhile to scrutinize our own personal mission and our own self-awareness of what works for us, what doesn't work for us, 
And if a nine to five job is demanding, if it has too many hours as well, I think it's worth having a conversation with your manager or whatnot. And then if it's that still doesn't resolve, then maybe it's time to move on and look for a different company. But that's still within the world of a nine to five job. It's all still happening within the world of a nine to five job. And the steps that I proposed and I put forth are all steps I think that will help you maximize your happiness and yeah, finding what fulfills you and being in that space, but it's still within the space of a nine to five job. You can still move between nine of different nine to five jobs. So there are a lot of positive for the nine to five job and it can still be fulfilling. So those are my thoughts. Those are my counter thoughts to the messages and the media that decry and, and Oh, something arrived. Something arrived. Now, one of the drawbacks, I think, of the 9-to-5 job, and probably it's a major one, is you clearly have less freedom in a 9-to-5 job because whatever company that employs you, the role that you're playing is important to the mission of the company. It might be a small way or big way, but they're relying on you to deliver on your role so that the company can deliver on its mission and its product as well. So you're not as free. You're bound by the responsibilities of your job and not just the responsibilities of your job, but the infrastructure surrounding the parameters and the responsibilities of the job and the way that the company has decided that the responsibilities of your job should be delivered whether it's a nine to five, whether it's like working later hours, whether you're attending meetings or whatnot. Um, so these are things that are beyond your own control, but must be that are set by the company and the agents of the company, small, high level agents, mid-level agents, whatever. It's just all the different agents and forces in the company. And you must adapt to them to be able to keep the nine to five job and perform in it. And these are all constraints and parameters that are not set by you yourself. So that by definition is not a very, not a truly free job. So there's that. And that's, I guess that's huge. Um, but no, no job is perfect. It's, uh, if, if, I just think that the criticism of the nine to five job and not being purposeful is not fully valid. I think purpose can be found in many different things. It's not restricted to something outside of the nine to five job. And I think we mistake purpose maybe with like freedom. And I think for sure though, the nine to five job, you're going to be less free than you are if you are your own boss. If you're not working a nine to five job and you have your own business or you do your own thing and you're just a solo, whatever it is, creator or even an influencer, um, yeah, and, and just work up, work on your own, be your own boss. But that that's different from purpose. You can st- and, and and content with your life. I think doesn't come just from your freedom and individual freedom, but also comes from. Um, from purposes and what you do as well, at least for me. So, yeah. And I think the constraints and the boundaries and how free 
you feel in your nine to five job is not just up to the company. I did say like the agents and the forces of company, the infrastructure in the company that kind of set the freedom and the boundaries of your freedom. But I do also think there's a lot of individual agency in how much freedom you set. Like, I think I hear a lot of language of like, oh, you know, I have this deadline to meet and uh, there's just so much work to do. So I have to work later hours. Instead, I think that same situation can be phrased in this manner where like I chose to do this much more work, even though I didn't have to, because if I miss this deadline, the worst that can happen is I will get scolded by my manager, but I can easily explain that away by saying, hey, this was taking way too much time. So I decided I couldn't meet the deadline. Maybe what you could have done, I could, or what I could have done is communicate to my manager that, hey, I don't think I can meet this deadline. There are some other priorities I have to meet, so I can't. At least proactively communicate that. And me missing the deadline then is not great, but I have communicated, but I chose to miss the deadline because I have these other priorities. Like in that language, there's just a lot more agency that I recognize by saying that. And I think there is a lot of self-agency. And also, and then by and by exercising the self agency, might be an illusion, maybe. But you're exercising you 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 feel like you have more control over the, your own time, and therefore have a sense of, of freedom as well. You exercising self agency, or me exercising self agency, is really me exercising my freedom to be a self agent. So, I think yeah, I think there's a lot of self-agency and how fulfilling and how happy you, you are in a nine-to-five job. So, so the nine-to-five job itself isn't something that's deplorable or something that's it says is a negative on your happiness. No, 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 no. It's the extent of your self-agency in a nine-to-five job. Is all, that's also a huge determinant of, of your happiness. It's, just, it's not just a nine-to-five job itself. So I think that's for me, I really resonate with that. So the nine to five job itself isn't what's dampening or hindering your happiness. It's your decisions within the nine to five job. And it's the exercise, the extent of the exercise of your self agency in the nine to five job and the self-awareness you have in the nine to five job that that's, is a determinant of how happy you are with the nine to five job, not the nine to five job itself. Yep. So those are my rambling thoughts. You know, yeah, you know, I only spent 36 minutes, maybe a long time for this podcast, but I feel like with all the content out there in social media and YouTube videos and podcasts, whatnot, that to cry the nine to five job and how it's like a boring job. I feel like I haven't like spoken enough about how a nine to five job can be fulfilling and actually a positive to your own happiness. But and I think I made some points across that, I think counter consider those uh, those other points about how the nine to five job is it's a dampener in, in one's happiness so i'll leave it at that thanks for listening to my podcast if you enjoyed the podcast uh don't uh, please consider subscribing or uh following me on instagram it's hd underscore tck and uh, every podcast i do i i Try to remember something from my prior podcast that I want to improve upon. And with that spirit, I think I'm improving upon every podcast. And that is also an acknowledgement 
that I do still need to improve. So uh, thanks for listening, but also thanks for bearing with me as I continue to get better at podcasting. I think it's also a good form for me to just practice speaking as well. And it's a good form of self-expression. I like it. Uh, So thanks for bearing with me. Thanks for listening. And see you next time.